Hi, everybody. Last night was amazing. This morning was amazing. God is good. Yeah, you can say that all the time. <laughs> you can. Uh, yeah, happy Super Bowl Sunday to those who celebrate. Happy Commercials Day to those who celebrate that part of it. Just for the fun of it, any cheese fans? <laughs> any 49ers fans? Any fans of food? And they met in one accord. We will start there. What Clayton did not know is that what he just shared, the word that he felt he got from the Lord recently, today, yesterday, is exactly what I'm preaching on today. Exactly. Like he said some of the things that I will say. So I told him that and he said, you're welcome. <laughs> so my job is done. So I will bring this to a close. Uh, Dwayne and I talked a few weeks ago about what we wanted to speak about during this two-week period. Uh, before it was a series, we just made it one, and we found out it would be the same thing. And there is a chance to get annoyed, and I was not annoyed. I was excited. When the Spirit is saying the same thing through more than one person, yeah, it means he's up to something. And I like to think we're catching on to it. A passage he shared, uh, that Dwayne shared last week, very much struck me, so I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to emphasize a part of it. Colossians 1, 15 through 18. I don't have slides, but neither did Jesus, so I'm starting out good. <laughs> and, uh, so if you want to turn there, Colossians 1, 15. He is the image, he, Jesus, of the invisible God. The firstborn. Over all creation. When you read about Jesus, and something starts happening to you, let it happen. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. This did not happen when I practiced. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, that covers a lot of things. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things consist. You can amen that as much as you want. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. 
Preeminence is the Greek word protuo, which means first in rank or influence. The first Google result for the English word is the fact of surpassing all others. Superiority. Some might take this as a judgment because they can see how in all of their things, different parts of their life, God may not seem so preeminent. Other people might read it in a different light. And from that perspective, if in all things God is to be preeminent, then time with God is everything. Superior. Now it's easy to read in all things God might be preeminent and think, yeah, that's not really how life works. I got things to do. I got a family. I got a job. I got goals. I'm going to propose to you right off the bat that if that's where our minds go, and yet in Exodus 3.14, God says his name is I am, which means he has not changed since this was written, then his preeminence means something different than we tend to think it means. And what we believe about his preeminence is going to affect a lot of how we live and how we approach intimacy with him. I encourage you, when you read the Bible and something you see doesn't line up with what you have come to understand about the Lord and about life in general, go deeper. Go after it. Don't stop until you find a perspective that shows God as good, as a good father. When scripture doesn't seem like it applies to life, when the word of God should apply to life, it makes me think of a line from a classic movie, which I have learned is polarizing. It's the Princess Bride. There's a character in this movie who says this word when, he, when things don't make sense to him. He says it over and over again. Inconceivable. <laughs> and he says it so much in situations that don't really work. This other guy finally says to him, I don't think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> I say that because I can't help but think that when heaven sees us, as we think about the time that we spend with God, how we plan it, how we obsess over it, how we feel guilty about it, the same phrase is coming up. And I can see him looking down from above on us, saying, I don't think those words mean what you think they mean. Romans 8.1 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
My hope is that today you're encouraged and challenged to see time with God in a way that allows the grace of the cross to flow to you, but also through you. Time with God, alone with him, in some kind of a secluded place, is essential. But a secluded place is not the only location where we can spend time with him. It's not the only place where we have access to him. What's important about turning your time into his time is operating with his priorities. What do I mean by that? There are situations where you may be on a schedule, for example, but your heart and your mind are not so concerned with the time. You might be reading your Bible, but you're not so concerned with how many chapters you've read. You might be doing a chore, but you're not so concerned with how productive you're being or how efficiently you're doing it. I have just made some special friends just by saying that. Your mind is on what heaven's agenda would be for a meeting between you and your father. That meeting will change something about your perspective because your perspective will come into better alignment with the heart and mind of the father through the Holy Spirit. It's our opportunity to turn aside to his voice, to us, however it comes. And it's our privilege to learn to recognize it and become familiar with it. In John 10, 27, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice, however it comes. The finished work of the cross affords us access to God's presence and to bear his, oh sorry and to hear his voice and it affords us the grace to do it i want to take you through some situations that involve the grace to spend time with him one of these situations involves my son last week dwayne talked about how in genesis adam's whole world revolved around spending time with god his father in his presence. A couple of years ago, my son, who's now 13, we started watching movies together that I loved when I was a kid. It's awesome. I made a list and we go right through it. Just him and me. Not every household has rules about TV watching, but we do. They don't get time during the week to do it, so it all comes on the weekends, so it becomes a big deal. When we started doing this, I'm excited because I love movies. And we can't watch the whole thing all the time because it's too long. So we have to segment it. So an hour and a half, or like now, kids' movies are like two hours. <clears throat> it becomes that into 30 minutes, 20 minutes, 15-minute segments. Like a little mini-series, a long mini-series. And at this point, you're thinking, is 15 minutes of a movie still, like, appealing? And the answer is yes. He loves it, so I'm all about it. 
And it kind of impresses me that he wants 15 minutes. When he started asking for like five minutes, I started to be like, this is getting a little obsessive. Like, this isn't what this was supposed to be about. I think we need to tone it down. And it occurred to me, and if I'm being real, it occurred to my wife first. <laughs> like it normally does. He's not after time with me. Oh, I said that wrong. I just gave you the answer. He's not after time with the movie. He's after time with me. Good job, Tommy. Here's something that might make you look at this in a different way. He doesn't need an hour blocked off for time with me. I'm going to pause there because it made me pause. What's my standard for time that I get to spend with my Father in heaven? Maybe that sounds familiar to you. It's too common to be introduced to the concept of time with God as 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 60 minutes. That's what you do. If I can recognize that my boy's looking for as little as a few minutes with me, and it delights my heart to give it to him, how much more will God receive me and talk with me? and impart something of himself to me. If I give him access to my thoughts for five minutes, consider what he would do with your time for 10 minutes, or 30, or 60. If you didn't feel pressured or obligated to be with him. Doing things because that's what you do can get us into trouble. We talk about that a lot here. Forgive me if this sounds rude, but I believe that God will use us when we're available by force. He will, but he'll do more with us when we're available by choice. In this situation with my son, I know that the screen has a little to do with the situation, but he doesn't beg to watch the screen by himself for a few minutes. Here's what happens during our time together. It's with me and nobody else. When he talks, just me listening. When I talk, just him listening. We're the only voice the other person hears. It's intimacy. My son is teaching me about what my time with my father is like. I get to see it in him. I get to see his real-time disappointment when he doesn't get the time with me that he was hoping for. And I get to see his excitement the smile that takes up his whole face when I give him surprise movie time. What happens if the whole time frame for you doesn't end up working out? If you allot 30 minutes with the Lord and you find that you weren't locked in for all 30 minutes, which I'm sure nobody here has, can relate to at all, 
I submit that you have not wasted your time. It's easy to grade ourselves according to what we thought or hoped would happen during that time. Whatever time you get with the Lord is time with the Lord. And it's his time with you. Would you expect him to say that his time with you was not worth it? The time that you intend to spend with him, that you intentionally set aside to give him access to your thoughts and your emotions and your situation, it either has clear fruit or it's building the foundation for something supernatural inside you that will sustain you or propel you at another time. It's supernatural because it's something that you didn't have on your own and that you wouldn't have on your own. Things like patience to an impatient person. Oh, that's loud through my, sorry. <laughs> Maybe grace to an ungracious person. Maybe trust to an untrusting person. Self-control. <laughs> Those aren't things the world readily gives out. I'll recommend a book to you about this, Strengthening Yourself in the Lord by Bill Johnson. Think of a conversation with someone. It doesn't always go the way you thought it would, but you're building a relationship when you talk and interact. I want my time with the Lord to be what he wanted it to be. When do we give the Lord a few minutes? And what does it look like? I love that you shared that earlier. Jeez. I don't have a formula for it, but I'll tell you some ways that I've seen it bear fruit. When I'm in doing the dishes, when I'm folding, ooh, somebody said, mm -hmm. when I'm folding laundry, sometimes when I'm in the car, it's situations that don't exactly need my full attention. That's why I say sometimes when I'm in the car. I think, Jesus, I'm here. What do you want to do? What's on your mind? And then I try to see where my mind goes, where my feelings go. It's gone to a person. It's gone to a family. So I make a note to get in touch with that person and see how things are going. It makes me think about my own kids or my wife. So I try to think of ways that I can love them proactively, show up as a husband or a father, ways that I can date my wife. And then, when, then I got to follow through with it try to make it happen because my faith without works is dead. Could it be that when our thoughts go to uh, somewhere that we consider other places that we think and we, we think we're being distracted, that the Holy Spirit is actually showing us ways that the Father wants us to bear fruit and giving us ways to do it. That sounds like grace and empowerment 
out of something that we could have thought was a waste of time. Got quiet in there. There are moments the Lord prepares us, prepares for us, and he's waiting to see what we do when we come into that moment. He's a rabbi. He uses the moment to teach us. Are we going to be receptive to him when the opportunity comes? Are we going to even notice the opportunity when it comes? Pharisees stared straight at Jesus and didn't recognize him as the one they had been studying about since they were boys. There was a time that he illustrated this to me while I was driving. I was coming home from work, and instead of putting on what I would normally put on, I felt that I heard him say, turn it on, but turn it down low, and ask me what's on my mind. And I'd heard him say that before, but it was a new setting. So it was a, it was a new experience. When you give him your attention and you lay down whatever it was that you had on your mind, there's a pretty good chance that whatever comes up next in your mind is the Holy Spirit communicating with you. Maybe it's a feeling. Maybe it's an actual sensation in your body. We can clue into those. You just gave him access to you, and he's following through with it. In this moment, I realized I had started thinking about a friend. His face just popped up in my mind. That's all. So I called him. And I asked him, what was up? I told him what had just happened. It wasn't complicated. I asked him if there was something I could pray for because I didn't know what else I was calling him about, <laughs> just to be honest. He said something like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. You have no idea. So then he gave me some details. And he was right. I did not know. I did not have an idea. But it hit me in a moment that that was all orchestrated. That was supposed to be part of the fruit of my time with God. It was design. We see in part, and we prophesy in part in 1 Corinthians 13.9. All designed to be part of a whole. Prophetic thoughts, which is part of having the mind of Christ, in 1 Corinthians 2.16, in action, in real time. I wasn't following a manual. I just asked God, what do you want to do? And I was blown away. I say this to you because time with God was taught to me by several people over several years who had the best intentions. And they made it seem like this rigid procedure. Do this, do this, do this. And it seemed a lot more over time like a checklist than like a conversation or a relationship. When time with God diverts you and that diversion ends up strengthening a healthy relationship in your life, that's evidence that you're living out what he intended that time to be for in the first place. Go with where his mind takes you. Here's another situation where grace to operate with heavenly priorities can come up. And I have not encountered this in a greater measure than in a grocery store. 
here's my deal. When I go to a grocery store, I am there to buy and then to leave. I'm like a robot. Thing is, I love people. And so sometimes I see somebody I know there. And that is in conflict with my mission at the grocery store. <laughs> so there's this one time where I'm going into Wegmans. And as I'm walking in the parking lot, I think of the person I saw last time I was there. It was great. We had a great time chatting. But it messed me up inside. It sounds terrible, but it did, because I had a mission. So I say to the Lord, maybe this time, maybe I'm here not just to buy something. Maybe I'm here to see somebody. It's great to be admitting this in full-time ministry, but yes, that's what happens. And so I didn't expect what happened next. And a, a lot of you are probably thinking, yeah, duh, that's probably what he does want when you go to the store. As you can see, I was not thinking that. What happened next was that my stress level went down. My stride, and I remember this, my stride got a little slower a little more comfortable. I may have even smiled. <laughs> my that's crazy. My perspective changed. My agenda was different. And guess what? I didn't see anybody I knew. <laughs> but I had peace in that store. So my takeaway from that day was that it was training ground. You guys have a couple more minutes? Oh, yeah. What about when your time, when God does want to do something in somebody else's life on your time? I'm going to read you a text that I got earlier this week that shows the kinds of things that can happen when we choose to see our time as his time and operate under his priorities while our life goes on. Hi, Tommy. See, I'm not lying. That's to me. I'm sure you're, I'm not sure if you're still chronicling physical healings. I am. But the Lord just opened up a young man's ear at, any takers as to where this was? Oh, nice. Wasn't Wegmans. I didn't think anybody would say that. Um, healing conference, Maybe. Altar of a church, tractor supply. <laughs> tractor supply. Anybody, anybody with tractor supply? No? I will continue. It had been injured in a paintball uh, accident when he was younger. The last thing he said after we thanked God together was, I'm floored. Yeah, baby. Amen. People who are laughing don't hear me say that every other sentence. <laughs> this man just gave the Lord access to his time in tractor supply. Maybe you're at home, you're doing the same thing during a chore, giving him access to you. I'm doing dishes one night, I'm giving my mind to the Lord, and truly, all of a sudden, I get this big feeling of heaviness. 
And I start to cry. Somebody is thinking but not saying, how surprising. <laughs> but nothing, nothing felt wrong. I wasn't sad. I wasn't even that happy. But I'm with him, and he brings tears out of me. All I did was just not stop it. My heart just felt soft. It wasn't vulnerable like weak. It was just gracious and open. I asked him what was going on because I knew I hadn't been thinking about anything that would make me cry. In my spirit, I felt that he was saying, I'm giving you part of myself. And I don't know what that was, but I felt grace enter me during these moments. It was his time, and that was his prerogative. He has caught me off guard, and my wife too, with emotions like that. Grabs them when we're not expecting it. And those moments become time with him. And we're changed in those moments. I'm going to close with this. My wife and I lead a small group in our home with another couple in the church. They're amazing. And a while ago, we had someone come in as a guest speaker who operates in prophetic ministry to come in and just share what's on his heart for the Lord and for God's people. And I expected it to be focused on experiences that he had had or ways that he had learned to hear from the Lord. But he opens by saying, I want to talk to you guys about the secret to life. That's a hook. He said, it's time with God. There is no replacement for it. As a believer in the sufficiency of the cross to cover your sins and Jesus' resurrection on your behalf to impart supernatural living to you, you have access to this secret all the time. You have a cheat code to bring peace into situations that the world does not have. And the thing is, it's not even a cheat code. It's the procedure. It's the answer. If you see this answer in the lifestyle of your friends or your family, then praise God, you have been blessed. If you don't, then your lifestyle might be the one that shows them. I'd like to pray for us to take hold of the preeminence of God because it will change us. So I'm going to do that. Holy Spirit, I thank you I just thank you. I thank you for being with us when we don't know you're with us. And I thank you for what God's rank of first 
can do in our minds, how it can change every hour of our day. And Father, I pray that you explode the desire and the revelation inside your people of how good you are, how active you are, and how one step forward in faith, just one step, can change the trajectory of the generations that are coming after us. Generations. This is how nations get discipled. In the perfect name of Jesus, amen.